Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, another Friday, another podcast to get you through your workday and bring you into the weekend, man, and get out there in that garage and turn some wrenches and get your VWs on the road. Most importantly, get them on the road and make sure they're ready to hit the streets of Las Vegas October 6th and 7th for our one crazy weekend. Big bash, get together, jammy jam. Give it any name you want, man. It's just a big, I like to call it a kickback. <laughs> it's, it's a big get together here at the Orleans Hotel Casino. And it's taking place again, like I said, October 6th and 7th. Starts Friday night with the world-famous Strip Cruise. Nothing but VWs as far as you can see on Las Vegas Boulevard. And then we come back to the hotel, kind of a meet and greet, hang out. Matter of fact, you can get there early. You get there at 3, 4 o'clock. The parking lot's already starting to fill up. People are there. Uh, some some people are even coming in Thursday nights. So the rates are super cheap at the hotel. So you, you might want to make just a whole weekend of it. Get you some, Build you in some gambling time and... Uh, you know, we need our taxes paid over here. So you guys chop, chop, get to work. It's an experience to behold. And so you show up Friday, hang out, meet and greet, kick it with everybody in the parking lot. And then around eight o'clock, we roll out onto the strip in one massive group of Volkswagens, take over the strip, come back to the hotel. After that, it's kind of a late night hang. People park in the parking lot where they're going to park for the show in the morning and everything's set up. So it's nice and easy. So if you want to go in the hotel, party it up, wake up around 9 or 10, your car's already parked in the parking lot, your show stuff's already situated, and this year we're trying something new. So I've got an online show registration, which will allow you to upload pictures. Uh, in addition to uploading pictures, you put all your information there. I'll print you out a nice professional placard this year. We're going to be rolling this out in the next couple of weeks for the people that are already registered. I'm going to send you a link to, to get that set up. But the cool part is you're going to have a QR code and give me some feedback. Uh, you know, send me a message on, on Instagram or on Facebook. Send me a message. Let me know what you think of this. But I thought it was a really cool concept. But there's going to be a QR code that's going to be on your car that people that are just walking through the parking lot can check out your car. They can click on the QR code and vote for your car. So um, I, I've looked at it, you know, it's kind of a people's choice. There's always the back and forth. And George and I are going to beat this thing to death on a round table coming up, I'm sure, uh, in respect to this uh, people's choice award type thing, because I think it's definitely something, there'll be a separate class if you want to be judged that you'll need to enter your car. And specifically, if you want to come and battle it out for, you know, the baddest Volkswagen at one crazy weekend, but that'll unfold as we get closer to the event. Uh, cause some people just build cause they want the recognition. They want to go toe to toe with some other people and see how they fare. Uh, and then we'll, 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 when we do that, we'll create a criteria specifically how those cars will be judged. But I think the, uh, people's choice part is super cool. People just walking by can vote for your car and it's limited to rain. So you can't text the thing out to all your homies and get them to, to do that. Cause who wants to hang out with that dude anyway? Right. You want, uh, but I think it's nice to get recognition from people that are not in the hobby that like your car and they can just click on a QR code and give your car a vote. So that will be pretty cool to do that. But I really like the fact of everybody will be pre-registered online and you'll be able to get your placard when you show up. It's going to have a little uh, image on there and some information about your car. No need to take a marker and fill it out. So we're trying something new this year and uh, hopefully it goes smooth, but I'm excited for more information regarding One Crazy Week, can go to letstalkdubs.com. Check it out. In addition to that, guys, I got my new merch, and I'm going to be putting it up on the website. So that should be happening today. I got a busy morning this morning as I'm cranking this podcast out for you guys, and I've just been slipping a little bit. I uh, just published episode number six of my other podcast, The Prison Experience, that I had back last year. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, it's a pretty wild experience. It's on Apple Podcasts now, but it's also on Podbean where it's out through a bunch of different resources. If you if you Google search Arrested in Mexico, 58 Days in a Mexican Prison podcast, or just click the link in the description below, 
I don't want to take up too much more of this time, guys. You'll see the new merch hitting the website this weekend. Uh, some pretty cool new logos. So check the website. I'll also do a post once I get it up on Instagram and Facebook so you guys can know if you want to check out the new gear that I got. Other than that, I don't want to take up too much more of this time on the podcast with just a bunch of blabbing about me. There is a car show coming up, and this is going to be Bug Out in Virginia is going on. It's going to be May 28th, and uh, it's about 15 days away. So make sure you guys go check them out. Go to... Uh, bugoutva.com bugoutva.com to go check out the information to go register and be part of that on the east coast so you guys get into it make sure you support your local car show scene also for you guys on the west coast that same weekend is bugorama 89 that bugorama 89 is going to be taking place may 27th and 28th sacramento raceway make sure you guys go check that out that's uh my friend steve hold up there puts that event on sacramento so it's a great event and uh i'm gonna try to see if i can make it to that on today's podcast, I had the opportunity to sit with Dave Andrews. Now, if the name Dave Andrews is familiar, it's because he had a blue 67 bug that he purchased brand new, moving from the East Coast, got transferred to an Air Force base near Riverside, and ends up meeting Daryl Vatone. Him and Daryl Vatone become really good friends, and he works with him at the race shop and helps be part of the support team as they're drag racing, also while drag racing his own car. So we get an insight to what it was like being around the being around Impy at that time and then the race shop after that and what it was like to be part of the race shop and some of the things that went on during that period in time in the VW history. So it's a great podcast. I was fortunate enough to get this one while I was in England. Dave Andrews was there and you may recognize the car that I have in the photograph is Dave Andrews. It's a recreation of Dave Andrews' car. So we get to the detail of kind of what happened to that car, the history of that car specifically, what he was running, quarter mile times, all that good information, and really just a sense of what it was like back then in the early days of the race shop. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Dave Andrews from the race shop history on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, I'm still here at Volks World 2023, and it just so happened that I ran into another Yank that's here, and you guys are all familiar with who he is, and it's Dave Andrews, who uh, ran with some of the race shop guys and ran with Daryl Vatone, a good friend of his, and I want to welcome him to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So the way that we always start the podcast is the same. What's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? How did I get into Volkswagens? Well, <clears throat> I grew up back east. Mm-hmm. Uh, was going to college. My first car was a '66 Volkswagen. Uh, I was going to West Virginia University, and one late fall morning, I rolled the car. Oh, you rolled it! I rolled it. Wow! And. Uh, Broke my back, two vertebrae. The car flipped over, was in the middle of the road, got hit by another car. Oh, wow. And uh, I never realized the extent of what was going on. All I knew was I could smell, it was foggy. I could smell hot oil. 
The back window was gone. The battery was hanging by its uh, cables. By its cables, and I crawled out of the car and was gathering up my school books because I was going to school. <laughs> uh, needless to say, the ambulance showed up, and uh, they said, uh, "You know, how you feel?" I said, "I feel I got to get to school. You know, I've had a test or something that morning," mm -hmm. and they said, "Well." We should go to the hospital, I think. I got in the front seat of the ambulance. Really? Yes. And rode to the hospital in the ambulance. And uh, after a couple hours of x-rays and stuff, you know, I asked, well, you know, I got to get out of here. Where am I leaving? She said, you'll be here for a little while. Yeah. I, and that's when they said, you've got two vertebrae that are cracked. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with that. So... That's what happened. So that was that, that's your that's your Volkswagen story. That's my first one. <laughs> and the other thing was coming from a small uh, coal mining community back in those days, the sixties, seventies. Nobody drove foreign cars. Foreign, yeah. You were really, and I really don't know where I got the the bug to get a bug. But, uh, you know, everybody, all my friends had uh, Pontiac GTOs with tripar and Chevys and uh, with big engines. And uh, I've got a Volkswagen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as soon as you got the Volkswagen, you, you found, you got the MP catalog. Yeah. And thumbed through it. And so did you know about MP before, before yes, you be moved out west? Yes, yes. And what, <clears throat> what causes you to move out west? Air Force. So you you joined the Air Force. I was transferred. Oh really? That was after well after college. Mm -hmm. I got uh, I went into the Air Force and uh, got a new bug. The '66 wasn't good anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it clearly. was kind of messed up. So that's when I got the '67, and uh, still, uh, you know, Volkswagens weren't popular back east. It was amazing. The dealership was 12 miles from my house, and uh, like yeah. no no foreign cars. To see a foreign car back driving on roads back then was so well, rare. Yeah, you're you're over there in coal mining town, and it's as American as it gets. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's very American. And and don't you drive nothing foreign because that's taken away from American union workers and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's very unionized. Yeah, very unionized. So so so, and you don't know what drew you to a Volkswagen. I honestly don't remember. I, there was just something about it, or maybe I read uh, material ads that uh, drew me to it. And uh, so after your, I end up driving. Okay, you when you're in the service, I went to. Uh, Lackland Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. No vehicles allowed at Lackland. So the uh, the car stayed in Pennsylvania till after uh, basic training. And that was probably six or eight weeks. Then you got to sign up for your tech school. I got into uh, uh, ground radio electronics, was uh, ground radio communications between the ground and airplanes. Mm -hmm. And the tech school for that was at, in Keesler, uh, Mississippi, I think. Yeah. I think it was still Mississippi. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> at that point, you could have vehicles. So I drove the car. From Pennsylvania from to Mississippi? Pen to Mississippi. 
And uh, and what year is this? This is a sixty. You're driving a sixty-seven Beetle. Yeah, six. It's sixty-seven. Oh, it, so it's a brand new Beetle. It's brand new. And have you started modding this Beetle yet, or anything? Or I don't think at that point, but uh, you you knew you liked Beetles, and that was I kind knew of I liked it. And, and even in the military, that's a little different, right? You show everybody in the military's all got hot rods and. <laughs> yeah, and, but the, the military base is something I didn't know. Uh, at least back then, they might still have. You know, they had hobby shops. They called, and it was a do-it-yourself mechanic place that you could go. You could rent lifts, services. You could change oil. You they wrench a tool. I don't even know if they'd rent them. You probably just signed them out under your number. Right. But. Uh, that's where I started doing stuff, and I drag race in Mississippi. Oh, really? Uh, and I probably have a trophy somewhere that, uh, from the drag strip there. And, uh, I mean, the bug was fairly you, – you, what, what kind of mods did you do to the bug? Or I, don't think there was, I don't think there was any mods at that so point. So you were just doing time? Yes, <clears throat> yeah. Consistency just, like yes. uh, test and tune? Yes. Nice. And so what brings you out to Southern California? Well, after the tech school uh, – I went back home, mm -hmm. and uh, well, before you were out of the tech school, they asked you, you know, where do you want to go with your dream sheet? So, eh, California, everybody says you want to go to California. And I went, yeah, California sounds good to me. So I put it down. Now, not everybody gets their wish. And uh, when I did this, I had no idea, you know, I knew where California was on the map, but I had no clue where anything was. So it said uh, March Air Force Base, Riverside, California. And uh, uh, I got it. I, yeah, mean, so I you, got my, my dream wish. So you end up in Riverside. And at this time, Riverside, to give everybody an idea, Riverside is like the sticks. It was comparative to right now. We're, yeah. we're, we're 300,000 population right now. Back then, it might have been a hundred and a half or something, but it's the it's sixty miles from Los Angeles. So, and but I mean, there was nothing in between. There was not much in between. Not much in between. It was little little spurses of of a little ranch here and some stuff there, but it was like two lane road. Yeah, there going. weren't there weren't in you know to go to the beach two lane roads, uh, so it was totally different than the times we're dealing with right now. So. so you get to Riverside and you got this Volkswagen and now you're kind of in Southern California. When, when's the first time that you see something that's like, wait a second, these guys are really into Volkswagens here? Well, just driving around, just my first escapade uh, marches up on a, high, a higher plateau than the rest of the valley. Mm -hmm. So I remember one of my, you know, maybe the first week I was there, I started to, to uh, venture out a little further. And you're still young, and, and you still realize you're property of the government, so you didn't want to do anything to uh, get yourself in trouble. To get in trouble. <laughs> and you start looking, you know, and uh, you start uh, coming. There's a, the main road from March back in the riverside, and it has a crest on it. And you crest that point of the hill, and you look, and it, it's the valleys just laid out in front of you. I mean, you can you couldn't believe how beautiful it was. It was just spectacular. So yeah. uh, that was kind of uh, you coming into a new a new oh, world right there. So so different than, than what I was used to. Right. I mean, it's sunshine all the time. It's not. It's nice dry roads. You're not dealing with the rain. Worrying about dying in a rollover. No, no. Because of fog or ice or black ice. 
So, I mean, you see like a land of opportunity there. Like it's yes. just really a new, a new kind of world to you. And, and you know, and my ventures and stuff of just driving around and stuff, uh, I realized I had the empty catalog back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at some point, you know, I looked at the catalog and I, it said Riverside, California. And I said, wow, I'm, I'm where empty is. Yeah. You know, I got to find out where they are. And I think I, I think I found out where the warehouse was, but that really didn't get me anywhere. You know, I just saw a building. And then there was the one day that I was driving up one of the main streets between the downtown and the university that uh, there was uh, an old, I'd say, automotive showroom that was on the street. And I'm driving by and... Uh, my, out of the corner of my eye, I caught this uh, car in a window. And lo and behold, it was the inch pincher. Oh, wow. Sitting in the window of this show. So I had to stop and park, you know, go up, put my hands against the glass and look in. And I went, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's like, like, it's like a kid's first time at Toys R Us. Yeah. Like it, you see that and you're just like, this is unbelievable. I got to see all the stuff that they make, right? Yes. And it had... This place wasn't very big, but it had one of those, it had windows on two sides and a corridor with the door at the end. Yeah. Typical old type showrooms. Mm-hmm. And so I go and I look in the back and see what I could see. And Daryl was in the back. And uh, So this is the first time you meet Daryl? First time I meet Daryl. How does that go over? Uh exceptionally well i mean he comes and opens the door you know hey, nice I, guy he's nice, like it. yes very nice and me a complete stranger yeah just welcomes you on in is, yeah now, are they closed at this time when you when you're yeah, there but this is just uh this is this is not empty uh i don't want to say a, it's a cono is this a cono motors at the no time? no this is the race shop this is the empty that moved from the original building, this was after Dean. Uh-huh. So he had moved to one of Joe Vitone's properties. Okay. And he owned this uh, dealership that uh, was not a dealership anymore. So that's where Daryl went to do his stuff. So Daryl was just doing his own race stuff yes. completely separate yes. from the dealership. Yes. Oh, wow. So the, you see the inch pincher in the window. He sees you out there with your face stuck to the yeah, glass. Yeah, And he thinks like, oh, this guy, he's not. I mean, it, and it's kind of how it goes today, right? You, you meet another VW guy and you're, and you're kind of like, hey, welcome to the fold. What's up? What can I tell you about? You know, because I think it's it's one of this, it, it's like this band of brotherhood where, where you guys are both into this car that's this universal underdog. And if you like it, there's got to be something cool about you, right? Yes, there's just some camaraderie or something right. between people that and almost everybody's had a Volkswagen. You yeah. Know? You can't talk to too many people that have never had a Volkswagen well, you know, somewhere I, in their life. I say I say all the time on the podcast, Volkswagens are about as American as apple pie. Because in my opinion because with the, the Allied forces getting Volkswagen back on track after the war to begin with. And second, every young person that began to work on cars and really kind of Volkswagens were so cheap and affordable, it usually ended up being somebody's first car. And some of those that were resourceful and determined and a little stubborn 
they stayed with Volkswagens because you know they'll 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 push you out of the hobby real quick because the first time you get that shiny new car, it's going to break down or break a clutch cable or a throttle cable, and you're going to have to you're either going to have to fix it or you're going to sell it. <laughs> you know, and in essence, a lot of people had a bunch of old cars. The Volkswagen was my first car. You yeah. know, I had the '66 that I rolled. The '67 was a new one, and I. I think I still have the sticker from it. Really? It was, you know, 1800 and some dollars back then, which I, think I rel relatively, you know. It's really inexpensive. Really inexpensive compared to like a, a, a Chevy at that time, uh, three to 3500 for a Chevy. Uh, Buicks, we, yep. all, we always had Chevys in the family. Buicks were another grand hire. That was, you know, I have a Riviera, sixty-five Riviera MSRP on that car was forty-nine ninety-nine. Okay. So I mean, it's 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 five grand for that car versus two grand for yes. a bug. So. Yeah. So you meet Daryl, and how does this go down? You meet Daryl, and and right away you guys kind of become buddies. Uh yes. <laughs> I mean, Daryl either likes you or he don't like you. Oh, really? And you know, if to be invited in. Uh. And uh, let me show you around. And we started conversing. And at that time, uh, I started, uh, you know, he, he basically laid out, you know, I need some help around here occasionally. You know, you want to give me a hand? You know, after we talked a little while, I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I, so he sees you're expressing all kinds of interest in the VW. And he sees you're somewhat capable, a little bit handy, because you're, you got a decent job in the military doing communication, stuff like that. So you, you're probably, and he sees you, you're handy with your own car. So after you guys talking back and forth, he says, you know what? If you got time, yeah. you know, I could use a hand around here if you want to be part of this thing. I mean, which is like, it's an unbelievable thing, right? You, you're kind of into tinkering with your VW. And then this guy who's like the... The, the fastest Volkswagen that, that you know of is like, hey, you want to hang out with me and kind of tinker with these things? I mean, that's kind of a oh, golden yeah. ticket, right? Yeah, and it was it was kind of unbelievable. So at that point, you became more... Uh, I, I've always been on the mechanical end of things, like taking things apart and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, early, early days, worked in a machine shop. Uh, always, uh, you know, uh, when I talked to my dad about doing stuff on the car... A lot of the stuff he told me, he was just making up. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, sometimes what dads do. <laughs> you know, I'd say, well, what, what's that, you know? It, he'd, he'd give me an answer, but that wasn't the answer. So, right. you know, I'd change the spark plugs. And in the early days, in the early cars, uh, you'd change spark plugs every eight or 10,000 miles because they were totally wore out. Right, completely fouled. And, and we had one car that always... Uh, Filed out one plug in the rear. It was a V8, a 283. And so. Could never be the easy spark plug up front, right? Always no. Had to be. <laughs> it was one of those hard ones. He said, Dave, you got small hands. Get in yeah. there. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I learned that way. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, so, what's the, what, what's the first thing you remember the first time you show up to work at MP? What, what's that like? It's just. Uh, well, what are you guys, where are you at? What are you guys doing? And what do they say? Hey, hey, do this, you know? Well, Daryl's the boss, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, you're always cleaning parts and stuff. But uh, when you start really getting into engines and stuff, you know, then you're, then I'm not afraid to do anything because I know I've got somebody there that really helped me put it back. Right. If I run across problems mm -hmm. and things just progressively, uh, you know, you get a little bit more adventurous as you go. 
and you start doing stuff, you know, you know, like on the car. Well, you know, we had an open door to empty at this point. Uh, whatever parts you need, you just go get whatever them. Whatever part, yeah, exactly. Now, I don't actually remember. I do have old invoices. They're always blacked out for some reason. We didn't get our parts for free, but we didn't pay much for, you know. Mm-hmm. So the progression was the exhaust system. First thing you do. And then the Zenith two barrel that came next. So now do you start working on your car? Do you say like, Hey, since I'm helping you, oh, same. I'd like to start work, build my car. Cause your, your daily driver is the one that eventually becomes your drag car. Yes. Yes. So that same car that you bought brand new, brand new, it ends up being this car that you campaigned for quite a few years, right? Yes. Yes. So what's so the first thing you do is you put the extractor exhaust on there. Yes. So you're coming in there, you're helping him like cleaning parts, doing just being his gopher. Like, hey, I'm oh, here yeah. to learn from but, you. But learn it, yes. And then as you're learning, he's like, and we'll let you tweak on your car too if you yeah. want to be here. So well, you know, back when you're young and in those days, time wasn't the element. You know, you stayed around till midnight. <laughs> You yeah. get two hours of sleep and go to work the next day. Now, the Air Force was always involved here. And in later time in the Air Force, uh, I initially, I worked day shift. And then I was transferred to another site that was part of the base. Mm-hmm. But I worked night shift there. So the night shift, the Air Force was midnight, day in the morning. Uh, oh, that's trouble. No, it's not trouble. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, it means you can stay, <laughs> stay up late. <laughs> so... When I got off uh, duty at the uh, Air Force, uh, I worked Epi full time, mm-hmm. you know, from nine to nine to whenever. And I mean, what would be in the course of a day what you would do there? Like you're and you're at the you're at the Impy's race program. Like that's what you're working in, like just the before it's called the race yes, shop, like Impy's racing yeah. shop. You know, that that car had just been uh, sent over there and Daryl was starting to do his own thing which car which car are you talking the about original inch pincher okay the original inch pincher so uh at that point uh, we had two different shops on the same street that was the first one that's where i made initial contact mm-hmm. and then i don't know how much time went by a couple of years or so we moved up the street into a bigger facility that had uh a li- i think we had uh, two lifts and it was it was just a bigger physical building where we could do much more stuff. We had the, we had the dyno at the original building, but it moved up the street, and we had an engine room, dedicated engine room up there, and uh, we just started. So what was it like when you pulled the motor out of your Volkswagen the first time? Were you a little nervous? Were oh you, yeah, you're always nervous. <laughs> were you thinking like? I hope I, I got to drive this to work in four hours. <laughs> what's the first thing you, what's the first major thing you do to your bug? I mean, cause it's got the 1500 in it. Yeah, it's got the 1500. So you, you put the exhaust on, go, go like, are, and are you guys going to like the local track and doing test and tune and stuff like that? I, I don't recall that we did. Daryl uh, was doing some other stuff, but uh, I just wanted a fast faster bug on the street so was it week by week as you'd get a pay as you'd get a paycheck you'd buy an exhaust you'd yeah, get a paycheck you'd yeah. buy a, you'd buy the zenith carburetor I, when you're running that car the first time you're racing it is it still a 1500 and you've just got all the bolt-ons done to it might have been a 16 yeah i don't i don't i think it was originally 
of 1500. And you had the Zenith and you had the exact yes. extractor and that's the, and the, and the, and the distributor, which really woke it up. The O10, yeah, the O10. And then you guys, you just kind of go racing and see what, and the first time you race that car, what do you run the quarter mile? Boy, you're asking. Uh, I could probably find some time slips because well, I don't throw anything away. A roundabout, you think? Because uh, you, probably, you probably had to chip away at it for a while, right? I, yeah, I did. Uh, honestly, don't know. Yeah, no big deal. So, but first time you race it, had you, you said back east in Pennsylvania, you were drag racing your stock bug. Well, this was when I went to... Air Force. Oh, I'm sorry, Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. Mississippi, you were dry. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of figured out this whole. Okay, I'm going to show up. We're going to take this car. I got to time the lights, and then just yeah, you're yeah. going for consistency, right? Just for racing. consistency. Racing. Yeah, racing the clock. Yeah, not necessarily racing anybody, but right for the times. So now, it, what's your first big race where you start going to? Where you're thinking like, okay, I got to be like you're a little nervous. Things are getting serious now, or. Uh, you know, paint that picture for me, or or is it you're just going to support, you're going to support Daryl at a race? I would say mainly supporting, but still having the fast street car. Then gradually the the street car would I'd graduate into my own, mm -hmm. you know, after helping and the Orange County Raceway, uh, the OCR, yeah, which being empty at the time we had. Uh, we had the ultimate passes, you know, we could go anywhere. You know, we were like <laughs> free rent, like Kings over there. Yeah. We were like the owners <laughs> of the track we'd go up in the tower on the roof, uh, you know, any, anywhere we wanted. And that's where I was telling you earlier, uh, my buddy, Rudy, Yeah, uh, he was my, my so pit crew. Rudy's your buddy from the military. You met him in the air yes. force. And then and he's we were, like, Hey, what are you doing, Dave? You're like, oh, I'm going to this empty place. Can yeah. I go with you? Is that, is that kind of how it kinda, goes down? Kind of how. Yeah. And, and he had a Volkswagen, too. Oh, did he? Yes. What year was his Volkswagen? I think it was in 66. Yeah. And, uh, but he, you know, he he wasn't into the speed a lot as I was because he was, you know, he's the one that took the picture. You know, I can't take my own pictures. So right. he was my support team. And, uh, so he just want, he, he you guys were friends and he was like, hey, I'll go yeah. hang out with you guys and just and go we see had, what you're doing. We had the girlfriends yeah. that were friends. The girlfriends were friends and went to the races and it was just uh I mean, what was that like i mean you guys are going to the races and, and volkswagens are really surprising a lot of these big v8 cars at this time yes yes i mean it's kind of good right because you go there like the underdogs and you come out victorious sometimes and uh yeah you always go to win <laughs> so the first time that you so the first time you run your car at in southern california the setup on it is maybe built up to a 1600 with the Zenith and the extractor exhaust and some stuff like that. And then do you start, what's your process? You start to say, I'm going to start lightening up the car or I'm going to, I'm ditching these stock seats. I'm putting a race seat. Like, like what's, what's the, what's the order in which you did things? Do you remember? Drove, uh, drove around for a while like that, you know, but, uh, you start progressively. Once I knew I had somebody expert wise, if I got too, too far past what I was doing, naturally, uh, to go to a 1600, you split the case, and then you put the cam in, and then you... And the Daryl kind of showed you the ropes on all that exactly. stuff. Exactly, yeah. You know, so, which was, builds up your confidence, because you're thinking, if he told me he's done it a hundred times, this is pretty easy, so... Yeah, and, you know, the, the big issues are uh, the, the clearances in the engines, mm -hmm. you know, which uh, I still find amazing that you could have such a small amount of clearance 
You're saying, sure, we don't need more room between that that rod and that end of the case or the, the bottom of the piston or, you know, no. So did you get pretty good? Cause you guys would have to, you would have to clearance your own case with, a, clear, with, a, with a, with a, uh, like a, a, dye, dye a die grind. grinder yes. and just kind of grind oh, through yeah. the humps and all that stuff. Did he had, did you guys have any, like, we've done this so many times we've got a pattern. We mark this up to here. We mark that up to we, there. Yeah. Once you, once you've done it a few times, you pretty much know how much to take off. And, and then you do the dry runs and you put everything together. And, and so the motors you guys are running at this time, are you running Okrasa stuff? Are you running SPG cranks? Like what, what are you running? And then what's, you know, I hear a lot about the SPG crank. Did you guys ever run those cranks? I, I ran that on the street and at the drags. Now, the, the rumor I heard about the SPG, because of course that was way before my time. The rumor I heard is if you launch that thing hard and you hook up, you can twist the crank. That was true. So, uh, did you ever could you ever twist an SPG crank? I don't. I don't know if I specifically did it, but after we knew that it would happen, you either pinned them or you welded them, mm -hmm. and uh, we welded our cranks where the uh, where they were pressed together. And did and ultimately for those listeners that don't know, the SBG crank was a roller bearing crank that was all pressed together, similar to like a motorcycle crankshaft. Yeah, exactly. It's got needle bearings all the way around, and the the philosophy behind that is you could go high RPMs and not worry about the crank coming apart. The the downside to it because it was pressed together, when you transfer that load, that shock load from original RPM to dumping the clutch is where really it yes. comes apart. So if you're using that crank, those cranks are fairly popular, like Formula V racing and stuff like that, because they weren't really hard launching. Once you're up to speed, you're just moving. Um, so you, did, what was your favorite thing to use? Did you like the Okrasa crank? Did you like the, the roller bearing crank? I, I like the roller bearing cranks because <clears throat> when we got them, they were definitely... Uh, Less expensive <laughs> uh, for us than Okrasa. No, well, we we had easy access, right? And uh, I don't remember myself using Okrasa, but you like the roller bearing. Cranks. I liked the roller bearings at the time. Like today, if you were building a motor and you wanted to build a fun motor for a car, would you have a problem putting an SBG crank in it? No, well, but I don't, can you find them nowadays? That I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't it, even it, want to tell you a story I had about getting <laughs> getting like a brand new one in a parts haul. I had it in a crate that I took to the swap meet and it was outside. I live in Las Vegas and somehow it rained and oh. rain, rain got inside the container and it, and it, uh, it, it, the crank's got spots all over it now. It was like an egg crate, right? Yeah. Styrofoam. Yeah. It was a pl yeah, plastic crate and yeah. it, you just create a lot of, yeah, I'm upset about that because I really, I really wanted to build a motor with an SBG crank just cause I thought it, it's such a cool philosophy and you know, uh, my other question with an SBG crank, do you have to clearance the case less because it doesn't have rod bolts? I would say yes. So it's a little less work on the clearancing side, which makes it go together a little bit faster. It goes together faster, yes. And so when do you make the jump from like the Zenith to the 48 IDAs? Hmm, when did I do that? I Probably as soon as, uh, <laughs> as soon as... I felt I was fairly secure in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the prices on things back then were so reasonable. I mean, uh, it's all relative. It, it, it's, it's relative to an extent, right? Like, what were you making in the military a week? Not much. Uh, <laughs> $100 a week? $150 maybe, maybe, a week? But I, I had room and board. So. so no room and board. So your $150 a week, as far as you're concerned, was fun money, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. You just needed to get gas, get back to the base, and yeah, and make more money yeah, <laughs> to buy more parts. And, you know, yeah, you either you know went out and you you partied and stuff. I didn't. You just you were motorsports all the time. I was always thinking of something, turning, twisting, you know. So when you're when you go, uh, how many races, or do you recall like any major grudge races that? Uh, that Daryl had with people or he'd go to a track and these one guys are always beating him. And I mean, it, what was paint me a picture the first time because MB really starts out as the top dog, right? Because you've got access, you manufacture all this stuff. Who's the first threat that really comes up against MP? Uh, or someone well, that you guys said, we can't let him beat us again. He beat us last time. Like, first time you got surprised and beat I, by somebody. I always thought we won all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your memory. Yeah. To, to that extent, uh, you know, we were the we were the top dogs for for a long time. For a long time, and people were always trying to beat us. You know, uh, there's always mechanical failures and right. stuff, uh, but uh, you can't avoid stuff like that. And we were always it seemed like things happened, but uh, we got resolved fairly fast. You know, like the flywheels coming off. Right. When you start having to, to wedge the... Uh, you wedge make the flywheel. So who came up with doing that? Did we guys did that at MP first? I thought we did. Yeah. Uh, you know. And who was really the engineer behind stuff? Like if you guys are having problems, who would you guys go to at the machine shop and stuff like that? I would say uh, we had a guy named Roger. Yeah. That was our... He, and he, he studied as an engineer and he'd come by and... You he was know, like, we'll put this little chamfer on here and you guys be yeah. good to go. Yeah. We'd, so, you know. Uh, sure. And just go over some of the problems. And if it works, great. If it don't work, uh, we'll we'll try something else. Uh, so, so you and Daryl become pretty close. Uh, yes. Like yeah. we consider him one of your best friends. Oh yes, yes. And how far do you guys when you're on a racing circuit? That what when that happens, you're still in the military. How are you able to get away to go racing? I really wasn't probably at that time. Uh, if I get my timeline right. Uh, He'd, he'd do a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. I'd basically stay back at the shop and answer the phone and take messages. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then and stuff. So it was a little different as far as communications. And uh, stuff still had to get done. Right. So they went on a lot of uh, the tours. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I went on two or three of them. Went back to Indy and uh, Kentucky and... I didn't, I've never gone to Florida, like for the Gator Nationals. Yeah. But. Uh, now, do you remember, did, did you have any personal, when you first race your car, do you start putting, uh, I mean, the way that your car is downstairs, that's the way it was most of the time. Most of the time. And um, what's the first lettering and stuff you do on that car? Permanent lettering. I mean, when you start lettering your car, that means you're serious. Well, yeah, that's when I basically quit. And I can't remember what I exactly, I can't remember what I replaced the car with because I wasn't driving that on the street anymore. Uh, now you've got a close ratio trans in it by now? Oh yeah, close ratio, solid motor mounts. What close ratio trans, are they just doing stock VW trans with the gears or were they ever using Porsche five speeds? Uh, Daryl used uh, in, in the inch pincher and stuff, Porsche five speeds. I had stock VW trans with the welded uh, mm -hmm. gears on you know now was he was that porsche five-speed pretty pretty reliable transmission not a lot of problems with it i 
they were expensive. I remember that. Yeah, and he'd buy them new. Uh, I don't think we bought them new, and he never liked when he broke them either, because they were, they were, I would say, harder to work on than a VW Bucks. Yeah. And uh, so he had the Por- he had the the Porsche five speed, which is more like a close ratio four speed, and then a little stronger transmission. Yeah. Um, and what- synchros were always the issue on the uh, Porsche boxes. Well, what was the issue with the synchros? You just burn them out. Yeah, just pretty quick. Knock them out. Yeah. Now, with with your car, first lettering you put on it's what? Uh, I remember we had two or three schemes. One was the parts chaser, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. Let's was see. that the car's name, the parts chaser? Yeah, for a while, you know, it might. I don't know if it's like permanent it. letter lettering or uh, or. I had Pennsylvania Flash on there. Oh, really? Because it said, uh, and Flash was P L. A I S H, right? Was, yeah, which right. which Lil was the California Flash. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're the Pennsylvania Flash. But the P L I S H Flash. Right. So I like it. And I think we did it with shoe polish. And then McPeak, you know, he was our local uh, pinstripe pinstriper, and he could he could do this so well, you know. And you know, when your car gets lettered, uh, you aren't driving it on the street anymore. I you know. No, you're pretty serious. And you guys at that time, there was no need to go street racing. You guys had full no. access to the track. You guys did whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, we could go to Orange County anytime we wanted to. Really? Yes. Even when the track's closed, I, you guys I get pre- access? I'm pretty sure uh, wow. that we could do that. I mean, that's 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 pretty good uh, connection. Yeah, because there, I know racing. we were going in the middle of the week, you know. We weren't waiting until weekends. So you guys had the advantage of going there, testing, and doing all kind of stuff. What do you remember being the biggest, the biggest significant change in the racing program altogether as far as a carburetor, a camshaft? Or what, like, what's the biggest thing that you remember? Like, wow, we got this, man. We're really going to step it up. Or, or what do you remember changing that really made a difference moving uh, forward? Well, uh, I know we experimented with... Uh, uh, compression ratios mm-hmm. and the, the rocker arms the ratio rockers the ratio rockers and the camshafts probably one of the biggest things and who is making the camshafts were you guys using isky cams at the time or you're having ingle ingle cams ingle probably still have one or two of them around uh, and i'm trying to remember what else So with respect to uh, you starting to race your car, what's the fastest you get your car up to at the time that you're racing? Well, Sam was racing at modified street street driven, and I do have time slips that a friend of mine gave me. It was uh, 12, 12, 10, and about 110. 12, 12 seconds? Yes, 12 seconds street car. And so, what what was the classification for a streetcar? Just uh, I, that's when I drove it on the street, and we used to drive to the drag strip. So it, it would have to be—I mean, it would really have to just be a registered functioning car, and yeah. that would qualify you for street for street class. You know, that, I won't say it was street class, but, but that was—I was still driving it on the street at that point. And, and what uh, size was the motor when it was running twelve seconds? Probably about a little over two. 
So it was, I mean, getting to, because when the SPG crank came out, that came out with an 82 millimeter. Yeah. And, the, and the biggest stroke that you guys had at the time was uh, 80, a 90, 92 millimeter, the uh, NPRs, or was it? Uh, oh, we did, I don't remember the NPRs. I remember the 88 bores. Uh-huh. And then we went up to the 89s and reused the 88 bores again yeah. and reboard them. But uh, that was kind of it. And, uh, you know, the week. The weekend racing in San Bernardino uh, was just cruising over there on a, on a weekend, and, yeah. you know, on Highland or Baseline. And, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have cruises anymore. That's all been banned, that type of stuff. So you so you take the bug out and go cruising in the bug and yep. uh, kind of give somebody a little romp, let them know, don't, don't mess with the bug. Yeah. I'll, I'll hand yeah. it to you. And if you want to meet me at OCIR, I'll show you on the track type thing. Something like that, yeah. Nice. And, that, and, and, and when, you, when you get this car and you've now got it finally lettered, it now becomes your, this is now just a race car. What is the setup on the car at that point? Like what's the motor? the trans, you've got the interior stripped. I mean, when you decide I'm going to make it a, my race car, what what is the setup on it? Uh, Engine-wise, it's whatever fit into the uh, into the, uh, the comp modified compact bracket. Mm -hmm. So I don't actually remember what the size of the engine was. Uh, but once you get it full lettered and racing, what are you running? Uh, Low 12s. Yeah. At, uh, and low 12s is crazy fast because everybody has this memory that these cars, the Chevelle SS and all these things were running super fast. Those cars were 14-second cars. Yeah, they were, yeah. In the quarter mile. I mean, uh, off the showroom floor, if you could get a 14 out of it, that was flying. Well, I remember car specs, uh, you know, Chevy's 0 to 60, 9.5. Right. I, I remember that number, <laughs> you know. So, and. Uh, and at the time, so Lee Layton worked with, with Impy for a while, right? Uh, he, I honestly don't know if he worked with Impy. We knew him. Right. And, but. He, and he had his own drag, because he, he was doing a supercharged motor. Yes. And some stuff like that. And that little, uh, that little uh, Scorpion. That the, little, little Scorpion dragster. Right, right. And that thing was running pretty quick. But obviously, you're back down to power to weight ratio. And I think, I, I don't know if they're, it looked like bicycle rims on the front that they were I using. I think they were. Which is pretty <laughs> crazy as fast as those things were running to run bicycle tires on the front. But, uh, I mean, those guys are running a supercharger. They're running in a different class, obviously, because it's a complete, you know, they start just going, they start lightening up everything and trying to go the lighter, the faster, the lighter, the faster. Who do you, I mean, who's in the circle of people that you guys are racing with at the time back in those days? Like, who are the typical guys? That you remember. Yeah, anybody, I, anybody? I, I, I'm trying to remember. Oh, well, the people that we all knew that were in our group, mm -hmm. sure. You know, John Preston, John Smith, and uh, who else do we have here? Because you, you, you guys start racing, you guys start racing in 67, you come down to the shop. But it, so, so it's a short period of time. It's five years until Filter Dynamics buys out. Impy, now are you you're still hanging around at that point and then that's when he starts when daryl starts the race shop yeah when the when the empty went away then we moved 
down where the dealership was. You remember anything about that MP buyout? Was it a, it was a real good thing for for his dad? Like his dad was going to make a, a boatload of money and get out of the MP thing? Was I was, don't, was it changing at MP a little bit, or from your <coughs> standpoint, everything was still the same? Oh, it was it was changed. We just I didn't know because I wasn't part of right, the, right. Uh, uh, and I don't even know if Daryl knew. You know, they'd just come and announce, and you know. I, that he was selling, you know, we, I guess we couldn't believe it, but we could still do our thing, and we were under the auspices of the uh, Econo Auto Center. We just moved right. locations again, but... So it, he sold just Impy. He kept Econo Motors. Yes, Econo Motors. And now Impy's owned by Filter Dynamics. Yes, and then they had their own two guys that weren't, I would, you know, these guys didn't drag race. Yeah. They were hired, and they were taught to campaign the car oh really yes so they because in the purchase of MP, they end up buying the inch pincher they and got all that. the car with it so they kind of took it as a marketing thing yeah that was part of the marketing now how much of it do you think how much do you think affected the the long term of MP with the at with the advent of the super beetle because Super Beetle comes out '72, yeah, which then changes everything, right? I mean, I would say so. It yeah. changes everything that, like, pretty much nothing bolts onto the new car. And when you're selling parts, parts for new cars, like they come out with a new model, and like, what are you gonna do with all the old stuff? Well, yeah, that's uh, that is a good story, uh, but it's yeah, nothing connects that, right? So, uh, so it's it, it's it, so with Daryl, Impy's now sold, and he starts the race shop. Yes. What's the, where's the, the, is that what they call the, the MP race place anyway? They call it the race shop. We'll just start a place called yeah. the race shop. The race shop. Yeah. He came up with the name and that's kind of what we called it and uh, still did our own thing. So uh, now he has to build the new car. He's yeah. got to build the white car that's downstairs parked next to. Now the car downstairs is a tribute of your car. Yes, it is. What actually happened to your car? My car was sold. Sold for how much and I, why? I would say, <laughs> well, I won the Winter Nationals in 75. 1975. This is, this is three years post-MP selling. Yes. You win the Winter Nationals. How much? You, uh, what, what time were you running? Is it still low 12s? Uh, yes, it, w- it was on the index. Okay. So, you know, you're racing modified eliminator. And, uh, so, you, 75, you... you Win the Winter Nationals, and then you just think like, what? What was your reason for selling the car? There, there was personal reasons involved, uh-huh. and the, uh, maybe it was time to do something else. Sure. Uh, and the car was a winner. And, and you thought, I'm going to go out on a, on on top. And I didn't have attachment to things like I, you know, if I, if I knew today what was going on. <laughs> right. If Back then, see, if I knew today. Right. If you could see in the future. If you could see in the future. But, uh, you know. Yeah. To we, you, it's like, hey, time to move on. Time to time to change it up and, and go a different direction. So the car was a winner. Uh, I think we raced it a few more times. Irwindale, Lyons, uh, other places. And uh, put an ad in National Dragster. And uh, How much do you sell it for? What are you asking for it? Five? Five grand. Five grand. That's and just to be clear, that's big money for a be, a, a sixty seven Beetle back then. And it was at, we had spare transmission. Uh, didn't come with a trailer or anything. Yeah, and and, and how long does it sit for sale? Not very long. I think maybe a week. You know, Get out of here. once once the people got the 
things and you get a call on it. And it was a guy from uh, uh, Kentucky. And uh, he came out, looked at it, and, uh, you know, we loaded it up and it was gone. That's it. And, uh, and so what was your plan after that? Like, okay, the, the, the race car is gone. I'm now going to buy a because you're not you're a car guy you got a problem i'm a you know i honest i'm trying to think i honestly don't know what i working at the dealership i had other cars you know so you were now a full-time employee at the dealership uh still in the back but at the race shop or where still in the back at the race shop and what's daryl racing at this time so daryl's campaigning the white car but he only campaigns that car for a couple of years. Yes. Well, he's working on the other car, having it built. Or uh, it was the Fiat that started at the at the old shop mm-hmm. and got moved. And me myself, you know, I was actually doing service on cars. This uh, Economotors was a multi dealer uh, dealership. So so a bunch of different foreign brands. They so had. I was intrigued with the Hondas, you know. They were kind of cute. And uh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many Honda 600s I rebuilt motors. And a Honda 600 was, a, was basically a motorcycle engine and a cute little car that looked like a Mini Cooper. Uh, yeah, they're tiny. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty, they're way smaller than a Volkswagen. Way smaller. Yeah, and had Thir- the, thirteen inch wheels on there. Or, or the 12s? cutest, the cutest little <laughs> wheels, and you know I got to buy a few of them because uh, they it just wasn't worth the customer to pay to have them fixed. Right. So you know you give them four or five hundred bucks for the car, and the car was yours. And it was actually a motorcycle engine. It in was it? an air cooled motorcycle engine, like air, an inline four. It, the, yeah, like, no, it was only two cylinder. Two cylinder, and. Fun little car to drive, and the rubber parts in there got so hard from uh, from the heat and everything. The rubber go away. Everything, just anything out. was rubber on the clutch and everything, and just didn't pay. But we were dealership, so so you're not working in the race shop. You're working at the dealership. Well, I'm still in the back end, but okay, I'm doing things back there. So you're doing dealership work that's getting you flag time and you're making money doing that. Yeah, but we you're didn't, still dabbling in the we didn't flag, you know. Oh, you didn't? I wasn't part of the upfront crew. Right, right. <laughs> we were You're on a special payroll. <laughs> yeah, we were back there and you know, you know. We didn't go home at five. You know, we so went you, for you, you campaigned your car for a couple of years, but you really you enjoyed more being part of the support team and, and building motors and doing stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So is that really where you where, where you kind of found your niche as building engines and doing that type of stuff? Or? I think so. You know, Daryl was into Porsche too. You know, he had a Porsche back then. And yeah. I got to watch and build Porsche engines, air cooled motors, which now, did you ever have any formal training on any of this stuff? Or no. everything was just kind of like, here's the manufacturer's I would, manual? And- I would, yeah. I just love reading material and stuff. And I would have loved, you know, and like in today's age, to go to the training schools for oh, yeah. the, for the uh, mechanics. I've even volunteered at the local, you know, Porsche place. Is there any way you could send me to Porsche school? Right. You know, I, I'll go for a week or two. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. So, so you now, you're still involved with the Volkswagens as far as supporting the team, yes. but personally you just sell your car because you're kind of in a different space. You're like, I don't have the time to commit to doing the racing and all that stuff. And I feel like I've, that chapter's kind of behind me now and I'm moving forward. Which, which I did, uh, you know. Yeah, and everybody me, does. Me, 
you know, we, me and Daryl, we stay friends, and I'd see him occasionally, but I got into real estate. Oh, did you? So, yeah. so you go from working at, yes. you go working at MP, and you're like, out of nowhere, you just get into real estate? Yes. How does that work? <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't. Back in those days, uh, selling real estate was, uh, for me, wasn't that I was a salesperson as opposed to showing people uh, on paper the benefit of the numbers and how buying this piece of property can benefit you. Sure. Tax-wise, sure. rent, you know, all the things that are beneficial in owning a piece of property. And, you know, you, when you draw out the numbers, yeah, and it was easy back then because, uh, well, as opposed to today, everything was very reasonable or cheaper, I would say. And... Uh, so did you so so you go from being a mechanic to going into real estate and then you do real estate for how long for the next no 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 it doesn't last long how many years did i do real estate 75 to uh maybe uh about 80 and that's when the interest rates went way they up spiked the and recession you, carter you, all that stuff is happening and you really have to know how to be a salesman at that point. Right. It becomes a, instead of like, hey, offering people opportunities, yes. now it's a grind. It's a grind. And, and you're like, yeah, I'm not into the grind. And, uh, you know, being dressed up every day and eh, driving the fancy car, you know, that, you know. Yeah. What, what did you end up doing? What did you end up doing then? Uh, I kind of started my own business, uh, heating and air conditioning. Oh, really? But... What led in, into this, I realized you had uh, uh, veteran benefits mm -hmm. that, that I didn't realize till the very end. Uh, and I, like I said, my mind's always been on the mechanical end of things. So uh, I found out I could go to community college mm -hmm. and uh, I took a, a technology training, which included welding, electronics, heating and air uh, air conditioning, and there was a few more subjects. And the government, in addition of paying the tuition for the school, which there was some back then, they'd pay you so much a month. But I only had, you know, eight months left or something, you know. So I took full advantage of that and signed up and uh, got a, a degree in uh, technology from the city college, oh, wow. which is not a, a hey. real, but I just. Hey, it's better than a degree of hard knocks, right? <laughs> but I love the, you know, the welding and the electronics sure. class and because uh, I was electronics in the uh, Air Force, so. And so you saw an opportunity to get into heating and air conditioning. So you just, you started doing it yourself. Yes. And then said, you know what? I got a truck. I, I can I, outfit another truck, get another guy, kind of. But I didn't do that. See, I, I like being independent. So you just, well, you know, there, there's a rule. I, I own my own company and I've got employees, but there's a rule. Where, there's a saying that says, stay small and keep it all. Because the bigger you get, the more expenses you get, and the more it starts, more is going out the door than staying in but, the bank. you know, once, once you look back on all this stuff, uh, it would have been beneficial to go to work for somebody. Oh, it always, it, it's, it's... To learn. Well, yeah, the, 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 they also say... I was tired of working for somebody else, so I decided to work for myself because now the business owns me. Yes. So, 
it was it was me. Yeah, uh, I was the business, and that's the problem with the with the service type business. Now, when you were doing real estate back in the day, did you ever buy up a bunch of real estate for yourself? I, a few properties. Bought, did you, did you hold some, them? Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of them, you know, because occasionally. Cause obviously, if we look back in time, every oh, one of us could be multimillionaires by just like, oh, if I would have just done A, B, and C. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, it, it was just that time that uh, I really didn't want any employees, yeah. which which when you're looking back, you said, God, I should have had employees, you know, but I didn't. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's a two-sided sword. And when yeah. you look at it, I should have worked for somebody to learn the basic ropes of certain aspects of the business but we could basically say i'm i'm self-taught yeah and uh, you know no, listen, i mean i mean there are people we all learn different ways some of us are hands-on learners some of us can read a book and get it figured out from there some of us can watch a video you know um but i think you know it comes back to the testament of like vw guys I said earlier in the podcast, sometimes we're a little more hard-headed and we're going to do it our way, no matter what. And we're going we're to overcome that, come hell or high water. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, whether the car's breaking down or I'm going to figure this, I'm going to figure out this air conditioning thing on my own. You know, but it's like, we, there, there's a little bit of that grit that you have as a VW enthusiast where it's like, you've made this decision, you're going to stick with it, right? Because you you're focused on the end result that we've kind of got this 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 long-term perspective of we're going for this now taking a question back to so and now you got involved with porsches later after that as a as a hobby right uh not as a hobby but uh as well i've in this transition i was doing a lot of things mm -hmm. uh, you know air conditioning uh, worked in restaurants mm -hmm. as far as uh, the, the ice I, pieces of equipment just fascinate me, you know. So, uh, what, so you like the challenge of figuring figuring out the problem? Well, when you're sitting in a restaurant and you're looking at your glass of water with ice cubes in it, I can tell you what kind of ice machine it came out of. Oh, really? By the size <laughs> of the cube, and then you, you you peek in the kitchen. Oh, they got a Hojizaki, they got a Scotsman or something. And then you get all the, you know, I've got books and binders on ice machines. And back then, everything was paper copies. There's no such thing as internet. Right. And, uh, you know, everything's a challenge. Uh, and uh, I, I, got a, I got into uh, a chain of pizza places that uh, it only took one, but the guy had 10 of them. Right. So if he liked you, you know, and you started doing... You just became, well, I mean, really, you find those bread and butter accounts where it's just like you're just locked in, and now you, you go from working on his air conditioner to his refrigerator to his freezer to everything, and now he's got 10 locations, and they're all equipment, so you're busier than... They're all equipment, uh, you know, they've got the beer coolers. I never knew there was such a thing as a beer cooler that <laughs> kept the beer cold from the walk-in refrigerator to the taps, and it's a, it's a line that pumps brine all the way to the taps and back to a tank. And it has, it's a refrigerator. Yeah. So. It's like a line, a refrigerator line. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 the They're all wrapped in uh, in lines and it keeps the beer cold all the way to the tap. And the pizza ovens, you know. Yeah. Why call somebody else? I got to, to know the pizza ovens pretty well. 
So you kind of had your own little your own little deal there, working, doing whatever you needed to do, and sometimes it would get overwhelming. I'm sure uh, we, with, ten, with ten with, stories with only one person, yeah, and two or three places calling at the same time, and it always the emergency always happened on a Friday night after, after a coupon drop. Oh, during the week, right, right. Our oven's out, you know. Yeah, it's hard to make the pizza with the oven. You know, they usually have the most of the places I worked at had conveyor ovens. Yeah. But uh, with one oven out that, you know, they they lost half their capacity. Yeah. So you're there trying to work. (laughs) So so looking back at the history, like as you're standing here, as you're here today in Volksworld, you look back at at (laughs) Volkswagens are still around. And now some of the things that you were doing back then, are really, I mean, there's there's a replica of your car downstairs. Unbelievable. I mean, it, and, that's... And did you ever think 30, 40 years ago that, that when you sold that car, that one day you would be across the world at a VW festival, like a big show, and your car would be right in the middle, in the center, on display? Never. Never. <laughs> the, t- the time that car came from that Pennsylvania lot, go all the way across country... Yeah. And bring me all the way across the Atlantic. <laughs> Can you believe it? No. I mean, it's, you, you know, they say, and I'm not sure if they attribute this quote to Carol Shelby, but he says, if I knew I was making history at the time, I'd have paid more attention. Well, yeah, exactly. It was it was non-relevant, most of the stuff. You and, know? and you think to yourself, this dopey thing I was doing as a, t- as a young man, just for fun, making friends, doing this stuff, has had an impact that sent waves that have gone into yeah. the future that have really inspired a lot of people, have been something to be revered because it was, you know, whether it's reminiscent of a classic time that's gone by or or, um, or maybe, you know, a, a story of overcoming, you know, uh, the 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 underdog story of the Volkswagen of yeah. how it how it pushed through all these big V8s and all this stuff, but at the same time, it's part of your story. If you could talk to the younger you that was down there as twenty, what would you say? Well, boy, if you <clears throat> if you see it, take advantage of it and and cherish it because, I mean, it's still it's so overwhelming to think that car. Yeah. What it's done. I mean, the impact it's the had. The impact. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, you know, and on top of that, one of your good friends, Daryl. Daryl. You know, just, to, and to you, he's just a friend of yours. Yeah. He was nothing. He's no different than you and me. No different. No. J- just a buddy. And it has to be at the right place at the right time in history when certain things came together. And, you know, you feel lucky to be part of that history. Oh, yeah. Unbelievably lucky, yes. I mean, you, you look back at that and, uh, you know, you think, and, and in the same respect for you at that time as a young man, it, it was a carefree time, right? I mean, you had, no, there was no, there was no mortgage and family and all that kind of stuff at no. the time. So it was just eat, sleep and race, right? Yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> to be working on a car at midnight or, it was no big deal. No uh, big deal. And nowadays, you know, if you, if you go somewhere, you know, and it's six o'clock closing time and you get there five minutes before. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're going, you know, what are you guys doing? You know. Now, we talked yesterday when we were looking at that car that was uh, brought here from 
the red car was brought here from, uh, geez, I can't remember, uh, Denmark, I think. And, and we looked at the, the, the mags that are on it, right? And we talked about how there's, you look back at the time when it was like, there was the wheels that the cool guys had, and then there was the wheels that oh, other yeah, guys yeah. had. And then there was like, you know, even today there's a hierarchy of like, you've got the Porsche alloy Fuke, the original, then you have the reproduction, and then you have the complete knockoff alloy that's not even close. And there's that hierarchy of wheels. Is it interesting to you to see these, um, like anything that was old, even the stuff that nobody liked back then, like it's, it seems to be of value nowadays? Yeah, I find it to be, you know, I've run across stuff in my garage that I know I've had a long time and I always try to put something, history back on it, you know, a little part or something. Right. Uh, and anything that had uh, a Volkswagen part, I noticed like when, you, when I talked to Dino about him, yeah, but that didn't have the uh, the certain part number or the uh, the dash after it, or, you know, yeah, that, Dean, that type of stuff. Dean's really gone deep in the weeds. Very, <laughs> very far. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's all in, and it's interesting because you've kind of you've kind of pulled out of the scene for a long time, I, and and you haven't been actively involved, and it's like. You know, you went on to live your life and and do all this, and then you get kind of drugged back. Like, hey, buddy, come here, take a look at what's going. Maybe you haven't seen what's going on over here, and now there's guys doing podcasts, what? and people taking video, and and the history that's all there, and how much you see it. I mean, what's it make you think? Well, it's like the car that's downstairs. Yeah. Uh, why would anybody want to make a recreation of my car right. why <laughs> you know i didn't i honestly didn't know about about it till it was actually done i mean yeah. it just uh yeah you know, russell recreated he did what yeah you know, he recreated your car you're like why would someone yeah, recreate why my would car? they recreate my car you're yes. thinking it's just a dumb old car that you had it was years a car, ago it was it was a long time ago why would somebody do that yeah so how close to the original is it? It's uh, very close from what I can recollect. You know, does it feel like the same? Have you sat in it? Yeah, does it I feels sat like in, the same car? It does. And uh, God, I wish we would have had digital cameras back then. Because <laughs> whatever I do nowadays, there's photographic photographs proof. of everything. Before it's apart, as it, you know, putting it together, etc. There is anything that I can do without taking pictures of it. Yeah. You know, not that I... I can't say I won't remember it, but I, you know, any service on any of my, I start in the beginning, take picture of the car underneath, uh, uh, <laughs> pictures. Now, what do you have now for cars? You are, I, I know you're involved in the Porsche, Porsche club. Do you still have, do you have any Porsches? Oh, that's all four. Four. Oh, well, well, give me the list. What do you got? Uh, a Boxster. Yeah. A uh, 911. What year? 2004 anniversary special. I like it. Says that's still and 04 is a 996, right? It's a 996. The well, most, uh, my opinion, the most undervalued Porsche that's out there. It's going up. It is going there up. There was one on Bring a Trailer yesterday that went for, uh, I think it was 58. NA car, non turbo? It was a 99 Carrera. <sighs> it wasn't yellow, was it? No, it was so. Because I, I had a yellow, I had a yellow one, so the yellow uh, four, the yellow Carrera, the C four. 
so it was highly optioned. But yeah, go, go ahead. So, so the 9-11, uh, it was virtually new when I brought, bought it. I yeah. bought it at a local dealership, basically the same location as Economotors. Right. And that was, I bought that in 2006. Oh, so it was pretty new. So it was two years old. Nice. Had 5,000 miles on it. It was new. And it's a six-speed car? It's six-speed. Okay. Yeah. And what else you got? Uh, a 14 Cayenne diesel. Nice. And those Cayennes are no no joke with the diesel. Oh, it, it 415 foot-pounds of torque. They're designed to tow some stuff. And it'll, it's, I got the hitch. Hasn't towed anything yet. I've got a trailer. <laughs> and uh, it had a 10-year warranty from date of service because of diesel gate. Oh, nice. So it's still under warranty right now. I think I got one more year of warranty. You can't beat that. And then a 2000 uh, Macan GTS. Oh, nice. 2018. 2018. So you're all in it with the Porsches. I mean, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't go far from us, right? The, 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 the enthusiasm, the car, the love of, especially the German cars, you know? I mean, Japanese cars are one thing, and I was into Japanese cars for a short period of time, but I always come back to the German cars, and I just love the way they're just they're just designed, they're engineered. I mean, they just, you know, everything from a Volkswagen to a Porsche, a big guy like me, I fit in both of those. They, so. st- they still have two VWs, though. What do you got? An 82 Caddy. Oh, really? Diesel. And an 82 Westphalia Camper. Nice. That was a diesel and got converted to gas. Yeah, well, the, a lot of those guys do the Subaru conversions on them now. It, it was a basically a tectonics conversion. It's a four-cylinder rabbit motor. I took a diesel crank, uh, and there's I got one or two magazine articles out of. Oh, really? And it was offset ground, and I put uh, I think it's BMW three series pistons in it, and you know far. So so you converted the diesel motor I existing engine, changed yes. the head, and made it a gas engine? No, complete so, engine. Oh, wow. So you did a complete motor swap. Complete. Should have. Nowadays, I think the diesel would, if you were looking at value, the diesel would have been more valuable to keep. Mm. But it's it yeah. was very slow. Yeah. So built the motor for it. Well, so you did the tectonics thing. You, you did that with Daryl? Like, yeah. Daryl helped you out on that? CIS injection, uh, you know, nice. built that from scratch, wiring harnesses, etc. So you're still, you, you still like but, to tinker and mess But that was a long time ago I did that, uh, that Vanagon. It was... Uh, you still, it's still up and running and It's, I've got, I've got it, hasn't run in a few years. I'm afraid it, you know, with the gasoline situation that I might have trouble. I mean, I get it running, but uh, it's going to be a little work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, there's always, there's always something going on, especially when you got, you know, five, six, seven cars or whatever. There's there's too many, (laughs) you know, and you can't drive them enough to, uh, that's it. That's it. So the favorite driver right now is the Macan because of all the bells and whistles. Yeah. You you just get in it. It almost drives itself. Yeah. It, uh, for commuter, but it's, you know, it's, it's a different, you know, we all go through different times in our lives and. When we're young, we always love to do the thing that's the most involved, driving a stick shift car, drag racing it, driving it home, being part of it, building it, doing all that stuff. But, you know, we get a little older, we, we like a little a little luxury, yeah. but uh, it's always still fun to kind of get in that old metal box and uh, see what it'll do. So I think it's, yeah, uh, it's uh, I think it, I, I think it's, it's pretty cool. I think it's, I think it's great that the history you were involved in, I think it's awesome to be able to, 
I think it's it's great to be able to come back 40 years later and look at the hobby and see that something that you thought was completely insignificant is really something that's you know something that that's special over here and you can see people really paying close attention to it and it starts to starts to gather up some of that uh some of the some respect from the younger enthusiasts because they they appreciate some of the people that laid the foundation for what we do today you know never thought it would live this long i yeah. mean i you know the year 2000 you know i'm saying i can't believe they're still making bug parts Right. You know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And here we are almost 25 years after 2000. Yeah. And it's still going strong. I mean, you see, oh, you yeah. see every car out here is, you know, 70s and down, you know, and they're still dragging them out of the dirt and they're finding older ones and digging them up and rebuilding them. So any, any parts that I find that I'm going, that's a Volkswagen part. It's worth <laughs> something. <laughs> That's it. And then you call Dean. You're like, Dean, I think I got this part. No, no, it doesn't have the J yeah. double dash six. When you turn it over, does it have three little marks on it? You're like, <laughs> you're, he's talking to you like he's got one in his hand, right? Yeah. And Dean's got that. Uh, he's got that knack where he's really, uh, he's really been into it. But I, I think it's great, man. I'm glad we got to sit down and chat about this. I and appreciate just it. Well, thank you. Get get some of your history and uh, and uh, I, I'm glad for the the part you played in our hobby that uh, continues to drive it forward today. I wish I could have remembered more. <laughs> there, there are some blanks in there, I think, but. Uh, yeah, no, listen, no worries. No worries at all, man. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Okay, and, thank uh, you. And, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share this podcast with all your friends. Go click on whatever app that you listen to this on and send that link to all your friends so that they can enjoy some good VW talk. It's not without the listeners that I put on this event. Uh, it's not without the listeners that I put this time and effort into the podcast because I love chasing down the history and I love bringing the information to you guys. So in appreciation for that, I uh, just want to thank all you guys for listening. And I know that uh, we've got some really solid listeners out there that want to support the podcast. And if you too want to support the podcast, you can support the podcast by going to letstalkdubs.com and picking up some merch in the store. That always helps to support the podcast. If you've got a business you want to advertise on Let's Talk Dubs, send me an email at bill at letstalkdubs.com so that we can bring you some more content. The more uh, content that I'm able to the more sponsors we get, the more content I'll be able to bring. I know later this year I'm going to be headed to the Air Mighty Show in England. And I'm going to be headed to the Air Mighty Show in Holland. And I'm going to be road tripping with Andy the Paint and a bunch of those guys out there from the UK. And uh, it's going to be rager. We'll put that on the YouTube channel. So make sure you also go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As soon as I get to 1,000 subscribers, I can start live streaming some stuff. And I'll be looking forward to live streaming some of these events that I go to and showing you guys uh, what the scene's like if you're unable to make it out there. Uh, appreciate all of you. And we have some shout outs to do this week for people that support the podcast. To get a shout out on the podcast, when you pick up some merch, you get a shout out. When you give us a five-star review, you get a shout out. And matter of fact, on the next round table, I'm going to go to the Facebook page, which has a ton of reviews on it. And I'm going to give everybody a shout out on those. We'll read all those reviews and give you guys some feedback because apparently I wasn't getting them some way, somehow. So I appreciate you guys for supporting the podcast and uh, giving uh, giving good reviews for it. Now for the shout-out section. So first shout-out goes out to Thomas Creaser. Thomas Creaser is out of Bloomsburg, 
Pennsylvania. So appreciate him supporting the podcast. Next up, Ken Stoltz. Ken Stoltz supporting the podcast. He's out of Dittmer, Missouri. And next up after that is Randall Meyer. Randall Meyer is out of Bakersfield, California. Uh, next up is Stephen LaHouse, and he's out of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Uh, next guy supporting the podcast is going to be Alex Gobbler. Alex Gobbler's out of Carlsbad, California. So we appreciate all those that support Let's Talk Those podcasts. We can't do it without you. And some of those guys, I did get a shipment of shirts in. So some of those guys that have been dragging on a shirt here and there, we're going to go ahead and get that stuff delivered to you guys. So got all my stuff in. I got, I do have some new merch, so be on the lookout for it this weekend on the on the uh, on letstalkdogs.com. I'll also post it on. Instagram and Facebook so you guys can see with a link to be able to pick up some merch. So uh, cool new logos, cool new shirt styles, and uh, sweatshirts just in time for summer. So <laughs> appreciate the support, guys. Got lots more podcasts coming up. I'm excited to bring you guys Greg Aronson coming up in the next podcast. It's going to be uh, – it's just a great story, man, and and Greg's such a such a great guy. So I'm really fortunate to be able to bring, bring this history to you guys and uh, – also new stuff that's coming out so also if you guys uh are any guys out there are artists like uh, mr dan 1976 that uh, we follow on instagram who designed our one crazy weekend logo for this show feel free if you guys are ever inspired to do any artwork for let's talk dubs i'd love to get your guys artwork out there it has to be vw content related maybe if you get creative tied into the website or tied into the podcast or some of the episodes that would be cool if you guys get that inspiration. If you get said inspiration, uh, I definitely do a joint venture with you guys on a uh, partnership on some artwork, on some some merch coming up. Uh, you know, VW guys can never get too many t-shirts, or maybe they can. Who knows? But yeah, if any of you guys are interested in that stuff, also, you know, like our, like our guy Dan Gregory that we uh, support, make sure you guys support your local artists and uh, always uh, give back to your community where you're at, man. So appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. And until next week, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.